Thank you for connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. If you have your Bible, hold it up. Hey man, as I look across the room, I see some paperbacks, I see some phones, some, some tablets, whatever it is, way that you got it, as long as you've got it, amen, and as long as you get it in you, that's the main thing. So if you don't have a, have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. So see somebody before you leave, we'd love for you to have a Bible if you don't have one, so, uh, and get that in you. And also we do this, free of charge, we provide on the screen all the word today that you'll hear, so uh, you can follow along there as well. So take that Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 16, Luke chapter 16. Amen. A lot of, again, this week as in last week, a lot of Bible. A lot of word, a lot of scripture today to back up what's said. I love to, to share what God's put on my heart, and I love when it always goes with his word, and they always flow together and work together. And so today as we get into God's word, I pray your hearts will be open to hear that today. So um, Luke chapter 16, we'll read 1 through 13. So a lot of Bible reading, so then we'll talk about it in a second. Again, if you have the red letter edition, your words are red. So uh, <laughs> it says that he, verse 1, also said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward. And an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master has taken the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, that they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and write 50. Hook the brother up right from the get-go. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? So he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. So the master commended the unjust steward. And this is where it kind of got interesting. This story kind of really took an interesting twist. The master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their, in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Verse 10 says that he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, you will commit to your trust the true Riches. Now hear that. Who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Hmm. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one, love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. It's an either or. You're one or the other. You cannot, you cannot serve God and mammon. That's a real fancy word, and yours may say it for money. Let's pray. God, I thank you today for this church. 
I thank you today, God, that we are a part of the church, the church of the true, living, amazing God. And that's because, Lord, of your grace, as we've sung about today. It's because, Lord, we recognize you, Lord, as the one who is a giver of all good things. And, Lord, this is your house. This is your church. And we are today, if we are following you, your people. And so today, as a result of that, God, I thank you. And, Lord, I pray today, Lord, for those who may be in this room who have yet to make that decision yet to make the choice to surrender to you, the areas of their life and their heart to you. God, I thank you today because of grace. They can freely do that. They can accept your love unconditionally. They can accept your grace that overflows. And God, they can receive that and walk into a new level, Lord, and have a new home one day, God. And we just thank you, Lord, for your word. Once again, Lord, open our hearts to it. God, we thank you for it, and we give you glory for everything that happens in this room and for everything that's already happened. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you are today sitting beside one good-looking joker. <laughs> Amen. 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 <clears throat> Amen. Bible says, call things as not as though they are. Some of y'all get that when you get home. But, uh, so, but it is, you are, you're, you're beautiful to him, and uh, you're beautiful to somebody. But, uh, Today, as we get into God's Word, as you've seen from the intro and as you've heard from the Scripture today, we are today one more time for one more day looking at another parable that Jesus taught. We've been in this series now for 18 weeks. This is parable 18 as we have taken and looked at the words of Jesus. Uh, I'm so thankful for the words of Jesus. Oh, come on. Come on, help me. I am so thankful for the words of Jesus. I'm thankful for what he said to us. I'm thankful that he's very clear in his book, in his word, for what we're supposed to do, supposed to do, and how we're supposed to live our life. And so we've seen that in the past 18 weeks that, man, we have covered some stuff. Man, we have gotten into some things. And I believe today that God has something else he wants to speak to us. And as a result of his word of his last 18 weeks and over the last 41 years of my life, I've been changed by his word. Amen. Has anybody else been changed by his word? Praise God for that. Amen. So today as we unpack this next parable that God's put on my heart, today let's look at this. And again, for those of you maybe first time, a parable is a short story that Jesus taught in order to declare and tell a bigger idea. So there's a big idea from these things. There are sometimes in this, God uses these parables, and here are characters within the parable that we are to relate to and somehow teach us. So everything that we read from his scriptures, everything that he tells us and says to us, every word in red is there for a reason. Holy Spirit was very clear and, and very precise when he spoke through men and took their hands and, and penned the words that we read today and as we look at. And so these things are in here for a purpose. And today as we unpack this next parable, we look at it and it'll be, an, it'll be titled on our website, on iTunes. You'll find this underneath the words, the shrewd manager. So as you look this up today, that's where you'll find this. You'll find it in scriptures, and in my, my Bible, this New King James Version that I have, it actually calls it the unjust steward. And I believe either or is works, but I believe the first one that I found, and if you have the U version on your app there on your phone, uh, you'll probably see it labeled as that. And again, if you're on your phone, only be on U version right now. Amen. Amen. Unless you're taking some powerful word of God, he speaks through me and put it on your Twitter or Facebook. Don't be on anything else. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. And you have my permission to look at your neighbor. If you see them doing anything else other than that, 
in love. Lay hands on them. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, so again, as we do jump into this, this is good. This is a shrew manager. So no matter what title we call this today, there are a lot of truths in it. There are principles and, and things that God wants to declare to us in a day as we talk about finances today. I just want to go ahead and say that sometimes preachers get a bad rap. I mean, they do. They, they just, you know, if you're first time today, if you're coming in here today and you're like, man, that's what I thought church was going to be. It's going to be about money. And that's what every preacher talks about. Just to go ahead and let you know right off the bat, this is 18 weeks of messages in this, this one series alone. And this is on the second message that has been on stewardship and on giving. So again, there are 16 other messages out there today just in this one series or not on this. But I believe we should teach God's word in all areas. And again, some get a bad rap and some have caused that on themselves. There are people and there are pastors, there are preachers, there are, there are just people who have taken the principles of God's word and somehow try to make it work for them, for just their good and not God's good and not his glory. And so we learned last week that everything the Holy Spirit does in our, our lives, if we allow him to and see it, is for God's greater good. It's for his glory, not ours. So everything we want to do is that. But Jesus did this. Jesus taught a lot on money. He taught over 25% of the teachings that he taught were on finances and were on giving. I mean, this huge thing. 500 verses in the Bible are concerning prayer. 500 verses in the, in the Bible dealing with faith. But more than 2,000 verses are on the subject of money and possessions. It's a big deal. Jesus spoke about money in 16 of his 38 parables. So I'm way behind. So if I want to be more like Jesus, I need to just, just stay on this for a while. But y'all pray for me. I know y'all can't handle much of that. But <clears throat> again, maybe, <clears throat> maybe you can, all right? But again, we're again we're in this week 18. This is on the second one. But we speak on this and we teach on this because here's just the honest to God's truth. I know this. I see this. It's just reality. This is where a lot of people struggle. This is just a lot of people's problem. This is a lot of people's issue. They struggle in this area. This is a huge thing. Statistics say that finances are the number one reason for divorce and fights within a marriage. Wow. So I really should teach more on this because I want your marriage whole and your family healed and whole and everybody walking together in grace and in truth. So, again, this is a big thing. Statistics show that it's one of the top reasons for suicide. This is a trick of the enemy that he takes and tries to pull us into a place. And so for me, my responsibility is this, not to make you happy or make you feel good. My calling as a minister is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to get them prepared. Come on, give God glory because that's a good place. <clears throat> to help equip and make mature, growing believers. That's what he's called me to do, and that's what I'm doing. And so I thank you for being a part of this and this process that we're in. And I'm convinced of this. Stewardship is a huge, important part of the spiritual growth journey that we're on. It's a very big deal. As a matter of fact, as we unpack today and get into this word today, the scriptures, you're going to see how big a deal this really is. This is huge. It's a big thing. And so, again, in our parables, we look at this. You're going to hear this word said a lot. It's the word stewardship. Steward. You know, just for a minute, I just want to kind of just get, get you on pace with what this is. So you know, you may have heard this word, and that's pretty cool, but what really is a steward? What does it mean? It's a compound word doing this consisting of two words, one meaning house and the other meaning administrator or manager. <clears throat> Therefore, a steward is this. A steward is one who manages his household. A stewardship is one who manages the things that are given to him. So again today, I hope you'll understand this today, that you today are called to be a steward. Matter of fact, it ain't what you're called to be, it's what you are. You are that. 
In some way, you are a manager, you are a steward, you are a steward of God's grace, you are a steward of God's love, you are a steward of God's finances, you are a steward. You are not the owner. Okay? And Pastor Ralph, I appreciate you going and trying to get all my message preached in here before I got up here. And maybe uh, <clears throat> you've been looking at my notes, but that's okay. It's confirmation to, to what he said today. But, but today, we are this. We are not the owners. Hmm. I mean, I, I just want to get, make sure this is clear. In this parable, there were two. There were this owner and there was this manager. In your life today, right now in this room, there is an owner and there is a manager. You have to see yourself today as what God said as the steward. God is this. He's the rightful owner. He's the rightful master of all creation. Everything. Psalms 24 verse 1 says this, declares this, and we should get it in us, that the earth is the Lord's. The fullness thereof, the world and them that dwell therein. Now, y'all quiet for that because that should get you excited. It should ease, ease your conscience a little bit. It should free you for just a moment. You mean that all this pressure I'm under right now and all this kind of stuff that I'm dealing with right now, I really don't have to be underneath this because it's God's? You mean he owns all this. That means if you are one of his believers, he owns you. You've given yourself over to him. You've received that, and now you're called to walk in this. And so you look at this, looking and going in straight from the get-go as we unpack the parable that today Jesus is, the Father is, the Holy Spirit is today the owner of all that you have. That's right. And the only thing he asks you to do is just manage it. Now, that can be pressure or that can be freedom. And uh, as you get into God's Word and unpack it, you have to understand that there can be a great freedom in this thing that God's given us. And he does some things, and we're going to talk about them today. There are some things that we do on this dashboard of our life that will determine what's really going on in the engine. Now, my wife, she's one of those who freaks out about the dashboard stuff. I mean, we talked about this the other day. It was just kind of funny. I want to know something, and I need to pay more attention to it, but sometimes I can get in my truck and, and just go and be driving down the road, and then I've been on the road for a while and not even know there's this little light on with this little pump on it called gas pump. <laughs> Amen. I'm telling you, then I realized that, and, and I really got to do something. We were going somewhere the other day, and Angel's, her, her gas light come on, and the whole time going down the road, she's like, what should we do? Should we keep going? We was kind of running a little bit behind, and, and we was, you know, I was like, man, come on, just go. You good. Yes, all right, it's all good. We'll get there. I don't know how much. I was like, well, you drive this car every day. You know how far you can do this. But apparently she's done this. She's paid more attention to her gauges. So when it gets to that place, she goes ahead and does what she should do so that she don't have to worry. You know today you can do this. You can do what you're called to do so that you don't have to worry. Oh, man, it's, it's, again, there's freedom in it. You can do what God's asked of you in his word, and there's so much freedom in that. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be in this place where you're struggling. You can just be so free to do this. And today, in this story, there was a gentleman who was a called to be a steward of some finances that his manager had entrusted to him. Now, I'm going to go kind of quick because we just unpacked this. So i got a lot to say today, and the Bible tells a lot about this. But as you look at this in the story, just kind of run with me through your Bible real quick. Chapter 16, verse 1. Just run with me. Again, you have a manager. You have a certain man who's rich, who owns some stuff. He's good. And then there is this steward who has been put in a place and manages those gifts. And then as a result, one day this, 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 man, this owner is going to take from the manager his right to steward. One day that's going to happen. One day, the owner will take from you the right to steward. 
That can be freeing or that can be depressing, whichever one you want it to be. Then this is what happens. This steward who is called by this minister to steward his money, he goes out and begins to do some stuff. And if you just read this in the natural and just look at this very just in a, just a very simple, practical way, this, this parable can kind of message you a little bit. It messed with me. I'm going to be honest. I, it took me a while to get this and really pray and make sure I was on point with what God was saying because as I first looked at this, I first saw this story and I looked at this parable and I saw what was going on. I was like, man, what's, this guy takes his money and does some stuff with it that really at your first glance doesn't look very ethical. So I'm like, hold everything. Now, what are you trying to say? What, what are you trying to get in us? And, and so I just kept reading, and I kept looking, and I kept praying, and I kept seeing that, wait a minute, there's this big idea. And the Lord's like, yeah, you've been saying that for about 18 weeks now. So I'm like, God, what's the big idea? What are you trying to say in this? Where are you trying to get us to? He's trying to get us to the place to where we look at not just the simple things that happen. He's trying to get us to see the big picture. And this stewardship in the story did some things that was very important. He prepared himself for the future. Okay, let me just let this sit for a moment. He prepared himself for the future. Now, as we talk about that, as we dig into this thing a little bit, we're going to find out there's some future and then there's some future. All right? There is some future that's natural, and there is some future that's eternal. And then we have to do this as God's stewards, prepare ourselves, I believe, according to this book, for the future. Be good stewards of this. And as we look at this and as we examine today, the Lord is very concerned about what's going on inside that engine. He's very concerned about what's going on in our heart. And as we look at the scriptures and as we see the truths of God's word, we have to understand very clearly what's going on in our, our heart and those gauges is an indicator of where we're at with God. And if you want to debate with that with me, please see me at church because I believe there's too much Bible in there to back up today what I'm saying. I believe it's just too much there. And as we look at this today, there's just a lot of things that he's trying to show us. He's trying to get us to see where our heart is. We can say our heart's a place, but that doesn't mean that's where it is. I can say today, you know something, it is a pleasure today to be with you today in Australia. Oh, I could even begin to talk like this and begin to say that, oh, we're so glad to have you down under, and it's so good to worship with you today. I can say that all day long, look goofy saying it, but here's the truth, we ain't down under. We're in Malden, South Carolina today because that's the reality today. And there's what we say and there's what is true. I was hoping I'd go a little better than that, but it's okay. It is just true. That is, there's a big indicator there. And the Bible says it. Luke 12, verses 33 and 34 say this. To sell what you have and give alms. Provide for yourselves money bags which we do not grow old. A treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All right, so let's hear this today. What are some of the most valuable treasures in your room, in this room, in your life today? I narrow it down to two. It's your time and your money. That's two of the gauges that you look at on the dashboard of life. As you look at situation, you can find out as you're looking, you can examine where two of the most important things are to your life because you can't make no more money, no more time. You only have what you have, and you have to make the very best of it. And then you have this thing called finances. And where your calendar is and where your checkbook is is a great indicator of where your heart is. 
He says this in his word. It's there. And in where our treasure is, the two most valuable things in our heart. I, I can just, and again, this is just out of me as a loving shepherd, loving pastor today. I, I can tell where somebody's heart is. If they come here once a year, at home in the bed the rest of the time, not because it's put there by sickness or something, just because they laid up snuggling. <laughs> got snuggy on. I mean, got look, I mean, just keep. I, I, I'm gonna probably say that as an indicator of the gauge, probably heart is not in faith renewed. Amen. I mean, I, that's all I can say. Again, just only two things I have to judge and, and, and have that there. And so as a result, we need to see that where our treasure is, there our heart is, and we have to understand that the treasure is Jesus. He's a real treasure. The treasure is his presence. The, pres the, the treasure is what happens in this room and what happens in life. It's the presence of God. And don't do this. Don't make the mistake of taking what he gives you and let that keep you from his presence. Mm. Come on. Don't let what he gives you keep you from his presence. And I see that throughout life. I see that through people. And it's just sad to say, 1 Timothy chapter 6, 17 through 19, in the Message Bible say this, and it's cool. I love the translation. It says, tell those rich in this world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves and so obsessed with money, which is here today, gone tomorrow. Tell them to go after God. Oh, man, what can I, if I tell you anything today, what can I, I hope you leave? go after God? Seek, knock, at, go after God who piles on all the riches we could ever manage. Come on, he piles on all of it to do good, to be rich in helping others, to be extravagantly generous. If they do that, they'll build a treasury that will last, gaining life that is truly life. That's it. That's the real deal. This treasury is not, you got to see this. It can all crumble tomorrow. Every bit of it. There's a great man of God, you may know him, called Pastor Harry Ramey, who said this one day, and I wrote it down. You're just one breath away from losing it all. Right. Oh, man, I worked hard for it, and I, I've, I've, I put the time in, and I, I deserve this, and I should have this because I one breath. Talking to that great wise man, Pastor Harry Ramey, I quoted earlier, and we were talking. He has a great little, little, little joke to get you thinking about anything. And he's talking about this guy who was robbed one day, and he said, Don't you do this. Give me your life for your money. <laughs> Give me your life for your money. He said, Take my life. I need my money. <laughs> one breath away. One breath away. But money has this misleading power. I mean, and sometimes we think, and you get to see, and I don't have time to dig into all that kind of stuff, but you kind of see two different mindsets of theology in the scriptures, and you have one who has this, somebody may be teaching this big prosperity theology, one teaching this poverty theology, and I, I, there's holes in both, and both are wrong, but God does want to do this. I believe he does want you to bless you, and he does want you to be faithful, but, but in the truth, in the God's scriptures, there's some things he says, and there are some things that the enemy tries to do, just, just literally money is not evil. Money is a gift. Money is what we use to make Jesus known. You're going to hear next week about some things that have happened because of finances, because of money. It's where we get into this place of this love and this money. We go to this place where we put it before God. That that's when the struggle begins to happen. We begin to make it other than what it should be in our life, a tool. Money is this. Mark Driscoll said money is a, a literally, it's a great tool but a horrible God. 
That's a great tool, but it's a horrible God. And in this today, we see God's word. We see the scriptures that he says. And this guy took this finances. He took this money that was given to him, and he began to do these things with it. And don't, I don't think we should get focused on what he did with it, all right, because I think that's where it can mess us up a little bit. That's where it kind of put me in a tough place because I was like, wait a minute. He's taking his money. He ain't exactly doing what he should do. No, the, the, the master did this. He commended him because he did the things what he should have done with the money to provide for his future. Okay? He did what he should have done with these finances to provide for him the future. And as we look at the scriptures, we understand that we can't purchase our salvation. And, and it's, it's verse 9 says, and I say to you, Luke 16, verse 9, it says, I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting life. What we do with the finances that God entrusts with us is connected to everlasting life. If you've got a problem with that, please read that, that scripture one more time out loud to yourself. And Jesus said it. Amen. It's true. Hear that. We've got to see this. We've got to understand. And he tells us in verse 10 that he who is faithful with what is least is faithful also much. And he who is unjust with what is least is unjust also much. So many times I read the scriptures and I look at it and I look at everything so natural sometimes. We just do. We just look at stuff sometimes, and we look at it just this natural way. And there's a lot of times I read the Scriptures partially because some of the things that someone taught me that I heard in the Scriptures and listened to, maybe a certain teacher who just had just a, a prosperity theology, nothing else, not a full understanding of the Scriptures. And I would hear that sometimes, and I thought that everything was connected to me just getting more here. All right? And I'll go ahead and say this. I've preached both. You get a lot more amens. You get a lot more, come on, somebody's. You get a lot more excitement in the room when you just start kind of preaching that way. But there is this big Bible that has a lot of truths in it that we understand. And he says in the scriptures, there are some true riches. Okay? Because here's the deal. If we just look at that natural, we say we're going to give money to get more money, and we, that's good, that's true. But is that true riches? Not according to scripture. Moth destroy it. Rust eat it up. This stuff's going to burn up one day, and everything that we have and own right now is going to leave it will be gone, and we'll have to make the decision that, man, I wish I could have changed. I never sat down with anyone who's given to God and said, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Never. I've sat down with people over and over and over and said, man, dear Lord, I wish I would have started giving. I wish I had done this. I wish I had done this. It's just very clear. And the Lord has done this. He wants us today to be good stewards of the gifts he's given. So how do we do that? I'm going to give you three things quick. Jot them down. How do we steward well? How do we steward well? How, what decisions, what choices do we make to help us steward well? First thing we do is this. First thing we do is give. It's good preaching. First thing we do is give. We, we give to the Lord. The First of all, I believe the first fruits of his, according to his word, I believe we give him the first, the tenth. Proverbs 3, 9, which is full of wisdom, it says to do this. Honor the Lord with your possessions, the first fruits of all your increase. So, hang on. Yeah. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of, help me say that. Help a brother preach. All your increase. Oh, wait a minute. Should I, I don't, all up? What's that meaning in the Greek, Pastor? Come on, I want you to give me the truth. All? 
Can you pull up Strong's Concordance? Can you go ahead and get in Young's literal translation? Can you go to the Holman Standard Com? Can you really tell me what it means? Oh. Oh. Honor him with the first fruits of all your increase. First fruits is this. It's your first. Great revelation. It's your best. It's the choice part. It's the first, the very best. It's not what's left. It's your first. It's your best. It's not what's left. You give it to him first because remember, he's the owner. We have to acknowledge he's the giver of all creation. He's the one who provides all things. We have to give it to him. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says in the message that for who do you know that really knows you, who knows your heart? Who do you know that really knows you, who knows your heart? And even if they did, is there anything they would discover in you that you could take credit for? Isn't everything that you have, everything that you are, sheer gifts from God? So what's the point of all this comparing and competing? Why do we get so caught up in this world system and we have to have what Joneses have and, and the Smiths have and the Rogers has? And, and, and I mean, why do we get caught up in stuff? Why do we do, why do we get pulled in? It's a world system. Why do we try to compare? Why is it that when we get on the TV and turn it on, it's slam full of over and over and over things to try to get you to get something and buy something, spend your money on something, to do something so you can have something, be something, be something. Let me tell you something today. What you are and who you are is not connected to your pocketbook. It's connected to the cross. It is connected to the cross. It is connected to Jesus. And what do we do? We give him our first. We give him our best. Leviticus 27, 30. The scripture tells us, it says that we are to, and the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. All the tithe of the land is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. It's his. I know you thought you worked hard for it, and you probably did. I know you put in some OT, and I know you went ahead and you, you gave. You got there early. You did. Your, yeah, you did, but he is the one, if you did that, gave you the breath to do so. Amen. He gave it to you. We got to understand that everything he gives us is a gift from him. He loves us, and so much so that he asks us to only give him just that first portion. <laughs> I'm, I mean, again, I like how he does it. He, he, he gives it to us proportionally to start with, the basic. This, I, believe, I believe giving a tithe, that 10, which Pastor Ralph said, it means tenth. Does it mean third, half, 5%, 3%? Hey, you got to get five, now seven. Anybody else got 10? I mean, right now, right? <laughs> it, that's what the word, oh, I got it in the back. All right now, sold to the final. <laughs> Today, we have to, it just starts with that. It's just Bible. It's just true. And we see it. It's part of our covenant. We have with him just to give to him. So the first thing we do is we just give. We give to him. Who else does he want us to give to? He wants us to give to those in need. He wants us to give to those who are hurting. Proverbs 19, 17 says, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. We have to see it. We have to give. We have to give to the Lord. Give to those in need. Give to those who are hurting. Next week, we're going to see some pictures of what we've been, some of the things we've been given to. And it's just going to be cool as we celebrate what God's been doing through this group of people. But we have to ask the question, Lord, have I been given to you? Have I done this first thing? Have I done this foundational thing? I'm serious. I believe that is foundational truth. I did a discipleship one time, and I believe that is one of the basics of Christianity. I don't think that's one of those that you are, you well, I'm going to one day after I've been serving. That's just, it's foundational. 
How, how goofy does it sound? Well, now that I know Jesus, I'm going to start praying in about five or ten years. I believe that's a foundational thing. You know, if I, man, I'm thankful for this gift of grace called salvation. I'm going to go ahead and start going to church in about three years and start praising him for it. Makes no sense, man. When you find out and you see that this is connected to your heart, there are gauges in your life. You, the first thing, man, God, I want you to have it all. I want you to understand that everything is yours. I want to give to you. You gave to me. I want to give back. So we first of all, we do is we give. Second thing as we do this is some of y'all going to get a little bit more happier on this. You spend. Mm. Some of y'all spend a whole lot more than you give. That's usually the case. That's usually the case. I, I believe that, you know, again, what, how we spend and what we should do is, you know, it's, it's very important. But how do you spend? First of all, we know what the Scripture says about, about what we should do in giving. How do we spend? How should we spend? We should spend wisely. We should, we should spend in a way that we're preparing for the future. Remember that word? Remember the big idea in this message today that we're preparing for the future? I believe that future connects here. I believe that we should spend it in a way that we, it should help us prepare more than anything is for the future and eternity. Because, again, this life's precious. It's short. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. But we should give. We should spend wisely. Proverbs 22, 7 says that the borrower becomes the lender's slave. I mean, some people think that's kind of a cool little slogan. And, and that's, man, that's pretty neat. Now, it's a 2,500-year-old verse that the wisest man who the Bible says that ever was said. And it, as we look at this, we're, the borrower becomes the lender's slave. If we're so bound in payments, if we're so bound and, and constantly in that place of becoming this slave to this borrower, man, there's no freedom in that. So what should we strive to do? What should be the goal as wise stewards? And some of you have never been taught some of this stuff. And you, again, you just know what the world's taught you. And to get it from me and me and me and me and more and more. And I won't. Listen to me. It's the Bible. What should we do? We should be wise stewards. We should take what he's given and try to do this. Become freed from the lender. We should, that, that's just what, as, as believers, we should try to become free from the lender. Matter of fact, what we should become is the lender. Even above that, we should be the giver. That's a vision for this church is to get us out of debt, to have freedom to walk in so that we can do even more for the kingdom. And God's been doing some cool stuff that you guys given. But, man, there's so much more he wants to do. And as us as a church, what if we got freed up from that? What could we do for the kingdom? So, again, we do these things and we give. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't want you to have stuff. Matter of fact, there's too much Bible to back up. God does want to bless you. He wants you to do it. He wants to give you things. He wants to pour into your life. He wants to get stuff to you, but not for your glory. Man, if we ever see it, it's just a powerful thing. Some of us need to do this. We need to come to a place where we get, we get with what God's given us. We sit down, and, and this is what's cool. We have people in our church who have done this. They've got this thing in somewhat of an order by God's grace alone and by the help of the Holy Spirit. They're doing this well. They're doing this well. They're giving to God. They're, they're spending well. They're going to do the next thing we're going to talk about in just a moment. They're doing it well. And this is what school is because they've grabbed hold of this vision of this church and we are the hands and feet of Jesus. They have people in this church who have volunteered their time that will sit down with you and help you get things in order in your life. In this room right now, there are people who want to help, not charge you anything for what they know, 
just sit down and help, help you understand what's going on. We've got people that said they would do this. They will sit down. They'll help you put spreadsheets. They'll help you do whatever they need to do. But you have to do this. You have to see that you have a need. Ask the Lord to help. And you know he wants to help us sometimes through people. So you submit to authority. You come up under leadership. You do these things, and you ask God to help you with this. We have to find out that we have to be better stewards. And for some of you, you need to practice this one word with me. Let me just do it together. I'm trying to learn to do this even more. Two words, two letters. No. Look at your neighbor and say no. Sometimes you need to say no. Sometimes when it comes to you wanting to, sometimes you need to say no. Let me tell you something. Parents, you'd help your kids out a whole lot if sometimes you say no. No, dude. No, I love you. Not right. Oh, Matt, come on, brother. He's like, come on, tell me, help me out now. No, and that's in love. How about this? Sometimes we need to hear, and I believe it's how God answers. Yes, no, and not right now. Not right now. So there's sometimes we need to do. So we make good decisions. We become better stewards. We spend wisely. Third thing is this. You don't hear it talked about much. We should save. It's very practical. This is very helpful today. This is going to help most of us in this room. We should save. Proverbs 27, 12 says that a sensible man watches for problems ahead prepares to meet them, a simpleton never looks and suffers the consequences. Wow. Hear that? I mean, that is, that's powerful. Sensible man watches for problems ahead and prepares to meet them. Simpleton never looks and suffers the consequences. How? So again, you're making decisions. You're saving. You're doing stuff. Now again, you do this with the right heart. You do this with the right mindset, with the right understanding, and, and understand where that saving should go and where that should be because there's some places you can put in you lose a lot of money. We've seen that in our economy today. That we need to be very careful. I believe the Holy Spirit can lead us in that. I really believe that the Holy Spirit can lead us. I believe His Word leads us. I believe it tells us. And if we go in with the right heart, the right spirit, God will do this. Not the wrong spirit. What's some wrong reasons to save? Saving money is a measure of success. If today you're saving money and you think that determines your success, you're wrong. Or you're at least this, the wrong reason, the wrong motive for saving. If it's your feeling of security comes from your wealth and that's why you do it, it's wrong. The help comes from the Lord. He's your security. He's your source. He is the one. You do that from the right heart. Well, you want to do this because oh, I'm going to save. I like this part of pastor's message. I'm going to not give. I'm going to save. If you're not going to give, you're going to save. You have a love of money. That's your idol. That's your God. And it will not help you when you're sick. Ask the woman with the issue of blood. Personal esteem and self-worth. Listen to me. Man, I'm telling you, this is so free. This is so good to know. He owns it all. He owns it all. We give to him. We make this and we spend wisely. And we begin to make these decisions And because God is God. God is good. He's the one that we do these things for. And I believe God will bless us. And, but sometimes he does this. He blesses us not to increase our standard of living, but our standard of giving. He wants to do that. He wants to bless us. He wants to do these things in our life. And it's so powerful. Wealth is this. And Mark Driscoll says, it's a wonderful gift, but a horrible, horrible God. Following this parable, Jesus tells another one. He goes into the scriptures and he tells a story about a rich man and a guy named Lazarus. One had wealth, one had nothing. Well, let me, let me rephrase that. He had nothing according to outward appearance. 
but he has something in his heart. Sometimes we take that and we, we, we gauge by what somebody has outward by what's in their heart. You can't really do that. Seriously, you can't really do that. Because he did have something. He had the gift of grace. He had received the gift of grace. And the Bible tells a story about one day that, that they go and then they have this, make this eternal place one day. And one, though he has some stuff, he didn't have what matters. The one who didn't have a whole lot here, and man, he didn't have a lot of the natural, he had what really mattered. He was this, he was a steward of what he had, and he prepared for his future. I was coming to church this morning. My six-year-old gives me a lot of cool material, some good preaching stuff. And I've had some, had some uh, worship on us. I mean, I just kind of like, man, sometimes I need to slow down. I, I hit the pause on the iPod, and I just said, dude, what's up, buddy? Love you, man. I love you too, Daddy. And he's talking to me a little bit, and we're having this conversation with one another. And, and this is what he said. He said, you know, God is in everybody's heart. You know, I think he's, you know, he listens to that stuff sometimes I don't think he's listening to and sometimes, but he had his little spin on it. And he said, you know, some guys in everybody's heart, it was tough. And they have to tell your six-year-old that's not the truth. You know what I told him? I said, Caleb, I said, you know what's cool? And I said, God can be. Matter of fact, dude, he wants to be. He really desires, according to the Bible, he so much desires to have and be a part of your life in every way. He wants to do this so much. You know that God wants to be the one who leads your finances? But he's just not until we give him that authority. Until we do this, as that song that we sung earlier says, we believe in him. So much so that we fully commit to rely on and trust in him.